2 Kings chapter 6, if you're able to stand with us, verse number 13, thank, thank the Lord for all the good singing we've heard tonight and for everyone that's here in the Lord's house. Look with us in verse number 13, 2 Kings chapter number 6. The Bible said, and he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch to him, talking about Elisha. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And he said, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you tonight for the word of God. Thank you for the good testimonies. Thank you for the songs that we've heard tonight. Lord, we don't want to say anything that would magnify the flesh or grieve the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you now, if you would, to please touch us for just a few moments. Lord, help your people, and most of all, glorify your name. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Just to give you a little quick background of this text tonight, if you read the sixth chapter of 2 Kings, these earlier verses, you'll know that the king of Syria uh, is somewhat upset because that the secrets of his strategy is, uh, of war has been told. And so on more than two occasions it has been told. And so he thinks that someone in the Syrian army has betrayed him. And he finds out that uh, it's not one of his soldiers, it's not one of his commanders, but rather it's the man of God that knows what is being told. Even in the secrecy of his own bedchamber, he knows what is being said and he is giving information. And so therefore <clears throat> the Syrian king cannot defeat the, uh, God's people. And so he sends these people out. He, he wants them to go and to find Elisha so that he might come and so that he might be able to take his life. And if you look in verse number 13, the Bible talks about the area that he is found in. As it said that he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And the Bible said it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Now that's not Dothan, Alabama for any of you here tonight, uh, but that's over in Israel. And so uh, that's the area that he is found in. And then there is the army that he is facing. In verse number 14, therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. So they, they find the area that he's in, and they send this army and they surround the entire city. Now, if you see that in your mind, you know that this king of Syria is very serious about taking Elisha down. You know, the man of God will always, if he stands for the truth and preaches what's right, there'll always be somebody out in the world that will not appreciate him. There'll always be somebody that will be out to get him. I say that tonight for this reason, for every preacher that is sitting here tonight, uh, you're not to make enemies and you're not to stir up controversy and you're not to make a fight, but just rest assured that if you're gonna stand for the truth and preach the Bible, you're not gonna be the most popular person in town. Beware of the one that everyone speaks well of is what the book says. And so there is the area that he's found. There's the army that he is now facing. But when we get to verse number 15, this is what I want to draw your attention to tonight. There is the assistant that is fearful. The Bible said that when the servant of the man of 
God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host uh, uh, compassed the city, but both with horses and chariots. Notice the servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Elisha answers him in the next verse and says, fear not. This young man, the Bible calls him a young man. If you look in verse number 17, he goes out about his daily task, his daily duty, and as he's out there just serving and being what God wants him to be, he sees this Syrian army. He looks at what he sees. Uh, no doubt it troubles him. And I would say tonight, it would trouble me if I was this young man. If you went out and you saw a mighty host of horses and chariots and you knew that it wasn't a welcome committee, amen. They wasn't there to, uh, to welcome you or to, or to give you gifts. He knew what was taking place. He knew that trouble was in the camp. And so he runs back to the man of God. And this young man in this text is fearful because of what he can see. I think that's important tonight for this reason. He comes to Elijah, Elisha, and Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And you know the story as we read, his eyes are open and he sees the invisible. Isn't that right? He sees all those horses and all those chariots of fire that's round about Elisha. We didn't read it, but if you read a little bit further, there's a lot of miracles here. In fact, there's three miracles concerning the eye. Elisha prays for this servant. His eyes are open and he sees the unseen. And then if you go a little further, Elisha prays that God would blind the Syrian soul and he does. And then Elisha takes them down to Samaria and he prays that their eyes would be open and their eyes are open again. You know, it's interesting just to stop and say this, uh, that God has the ability to open the eyes uh, of those that can see physically and let them look beyond this world. That's Listen, you say, well, he doesn't do that anymore. Oh, yes, he does. Uh, I'm telling you, every time a saint of God makes the crossing, every time a saint of God, as they sung about a while ago, leaves this world and goes to heaven's bright shores. I'll tell you what happens. A, a portal opens up between here and yonder from this world to the glory world. And they're able to see with the natural eye what they've never been able to see in this walk of life. Uh, the visible or the invisible becomes visible. Amen. And then I want to say God has the ability to close the eyes of those uh, that can see. I'm telling you, listen, sometimes uh, it can be right under this world's nose. Sometimes it can be right under the devil's nose, but they cannot detect it. They cannot find it. You know why? Because God blinds them. And then God knows how to open the eyes of those that are blind. I'm glad that God can do those things. As we heard them sing about earlier, he's able to let us see. But when you come to this text, here's the thought tonight. What you have in this young man's life, you have a young man that my friend, he's faced with these two visions here. He's faced with the visible and he's faced with the invisible. And I want to preach on that a few minutes tonight, on the visible versus the invisible. And the reason I say that is because the problem in his life was not what he could see, but the problem was what he could not see. You see, he's standing there. He can only see the soldiers. He can only see the horses. He can only see the chariot. But if he could see what
what Elisha saw. Elisha prayed that his eyes would be open. This young man was fearful because of what he could see. You know what the problem is in our churches today? Even in our pulpits, in our pews, across this nation is we've got a lot of people sitting in church and they're fearful because of what they can see. Amen. They've got their eyes on the visible. But you know where God wants us to put our eyes tonight? He doesn't want us to put our eyes on what we can see. He wants us to put our eyes on what we can't see. I'm telling you the problem with us tonight is not what we're facing. It's not what we're seeing on the news. It's not what we're seeing on social media. It's not what we're seeing going up and down the roads. I'm telling you the problem, my friend, is not what you see at work from day to day. The real problem tonight is that too many Christians are sitting in churches and preachers alike. They fail to see the invisible. You see, if you can ever get your eyes above the horizon, if you can ever get above looking at this world and lift your eyes unto the hills from whence cometh your help, if you can get hungry and thirsty enough tonight that this world kindly fades out and you get more in touch with that world. You see, what we need tonight is we need to see him who is invisible. How many times are church services, pulpits, pulled to plunder because people come and they're too focused on this world? You know, I want to be honest tonight. I'm preaching to myself and to you. But I tell you, if we could get us, if we could get us tore up about the spiritual things as we do the physical things and the political things and, and the monetary things and the economical things of this world, we'd have revival overnight. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, friend, it doesn't take much to stir us up. And I get stirred up. I don't even watch the news no more because I get mad. Every time I watch the news, I've lived freer since I quit watching it. You say, well, you got your head in the sand. No, I know just enough to go on, going on to keep me irritated and that's about it, amen? but I don't watch it from day to day no more. You say, why? I just try to keep up with heaven's news, amen? Can I tell you something about getting in touch with this news every morning when you open this book and you get in touch with this news? You're not looking at the visible, but you're looking at the invisible, amen? I'm gonna tell you everything looks better from heaven's point of view, amen? I'm telling you, when you're looking through the eyes of faith rather than the eyes of the flesh or fear, you don't have to worry, amen? I'm telling you God dropped a veil. He's put a curtain over tomorrow. But I want to promise you this. I can't see tomorrow. And I don't know what's in tomorrow. But I do know who's in tomorrow. The same one that's there today. The God of yesterday. He is the God of today. And he will be. And he always has been the God of tomorrow. Amen. I'm telling you, Elisha realizes that this young man's problem is not what he's looking at. And not what he can see. But it is what he cannot see. I tell you tonight, what we need to do is we need God to pull the scales off our eyes. We need to get our heads out of this world and get our heads in that world. We need to believe God for the invisible. We need to believe God for the unseen. We need to believe God for what we cannot do. We need to believe God for what's beyond ourselves. We need to believe God for what's beyond our capability. No, I can't, but yes, he can. No, I'm not, but yes, he always is. I'm telling you, God, I can do more than you and I can do tonight. Amen. We need to get our eyes off the offense of this world and the defense. We're in good hands tonight. I'm telling you, before a pandemic, before masks, before mandates, before all the vaccines, we were in good hands. 
I'll tell you if a pandemic proved anything, it proved this. The God of, listen, that was there before it came is the same God that saw us through all that mess. Amen. And can I tell you when the masks are gone uh, and the mandates have been rolled away uh, and I want to tell you the vaccines have been fought about and they're off the table, I'll tell you God will still be God. Uh, We'll still be saved. Uh, Heaven will still be real. Uh, The church will still be marching on. Uh, I want to tell you tonight the church uh, is not limping on. Uh, She's not on life support tonight. She's not crawling on but like a mighty army we're marching towards Zion thank God the holy hills of Zion. We're headed somewhere in this world. Amen. I'll tell you what we have to do. We have to quit looking at the visible. Lord, open their eyes that they may see. Tonight every person in this room There's something in your life that's visible that if you look at it, we'll tell you what it'll do. It'll it'll plunge you in depression, despair. I appreciate people testifying in this church and not getting up and glorifying their sin, not glorifying their problems, and not glorifying the devil. That does nothing for nobody. It doesn't glorify God It doesn't edify the body of Christ. Nobody feels better when you leave. I appreciate like we heard tonight, people getting up, talking about how good God is, talking about what they've read in his word. That'll help you, won't it? That'll benefit you, won't it? I'm telling you, the Bible will help us You know what it does? It gets our eyes off of this world and it gets our eyes on the other world. It lets us see the unseen, the invisible. And tonight, that's what we need. This young man, he didn't need, listen, he didn't need another army. He didn't need an army that was bigger than the Syrian army. He didn't need a wall of defense. All he needed to do was to be able to see beyond this world. That's what preaching will do for you. That's what singing will do for you. That's what reading your Bible every day will do for you. That's what a prayer clause it'll do for you. That's what a good testimony will do for you. It'll help you to look beyond this world, look beyond the visible, and see the invisible. Amen. And I think about this young man tonight. His eyes were open, but had he not uh, been where he was at, his eyes would not have been open. And I ask myself this question that I'll give you tonight. How is it that his eyes were open that he could see? How is that? I feel sorry tonight. I do not feel better than other people. But I feel sorry for people that's never been around old time religion. Now a lot of them feel sorry for us. <laughs> they look at us and they feel sorry for us. Brother Charles, we're not dignified enough. There's some people if they came to this church, they'd want us to they'd want us to hog tire Methodist brother in the back. Amen. Listen, there's some people, if they came to this church, they couldn't understand people crying. One minute, laughing the next, they'd think you need some Prozac or something, you know? They'd think something's wrong with you or a good smoke of pot or something, marijuana. They'd feel like uh, they're losing their mind. Something's going on with them. Uh, But you know what? Listen, I don't feel sorry for us. Uh, I'm telling you, there's some places I go. I'm telling you, listen, I look at them and they look at me and I wonder what in the world I'm doing here. I'm sure they're wondering what in the world I'm doing here. Uh, And listen, they're not happy and I'm not happy. I'm just telling you how it is. 
us. Amen. I'm telling you, there's some people, I look at them and I get real nervous because the further the service goes, the grayer they get. I don't know if they're breathing or not. It's so starchy. It's so dead. It's so dry. It's so dull. You say, preacher, is it really that way? Oh, you ought to go with me for a few days. You'd come back in this church. You'd kiss this carpet. You'd thank God for Sunday school. You'd thank God for church. I'm telling you, friend, it's not what people think it is. Churches are drying up and dying on the vine and they've been dead so long and they played church so long and a lot of people don't even realize it anymore. I'm telling you, I'm glad I'm someplace tonight where there's some life and there's some liberty and there's some love. I'm glad I'm someplace tonight where I can look beyond you and you can look beyond me and we can hear and we can see the invisible. Hallelujah. I think about this young man. How was his eyes open? I want you to see this and be done. I want to say, first of all, he was in the right place. Look at verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God, notice this, was risen early and gone forth. He was in the right place. Now, if you was to take this young man and pull him aside and say, uh, Sir, young man, are you in the right place? He said, oh, no, I was in the wrong place. Because I got up early that morning and I went out to do my daily chores for the man of God and serve him. And when I got out there, I run into, I run into a bunch of bad dudes, amen. I run into a bunch of, uh, listen, uh, uh, chariots and horsemen uh, and I was in the wrong place. Oh no, he was in the right place. Because he was serving the man of God. Now I'm not talking about you serving me tonight. But I'm talking about this young man was a servant. I want to tell you, if you want to see the invisible, you've got to learn to be a servant. You've got to learn to serve. Preachers have to learn to serve. Pastors have to learn to serve. That's what a pastor is. He's a servant of God, and he's a servant to the flock, and he has to keep that in his mind. He's not a king. He's not a dictator. Listen, he's not a ruler. He's not a CEO. Listen, he's not a CEO of a company. He's not a businessman. He's a servant. Amen. There's a lot of men. They want a pulpit. They want a paycheck. They want a title. They want the benefit benefits that come, but they don't want to serve. I'm telling you, friend, listen, we're all tonight unprofitable servants is what we are outside the grace of God. We're just servants tonight, but isn't it good to be a servant? I'll tell you why I'm glad to be a servant tonight, because I used to be a slave, amen? And the difference between a slave and a servant is a slave serves because he has to, but a servant serves because he wants to. I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm not doing this because I'm made to. You're not here because you have to. We're here because we want to tonight. It's good to be a servant. But you gotta be in the right place. You know, God plants you in a church. You don't get to choose the church. God has to plant you there. A preacher don't get to choose the congregation. God has to plant him. My brother, years ago, brother, uh, old brother, uh, I'll think of it in a minute, brother Edgar Thomas used to hear him make this statement, brother John, you, sister Rebecca would remember this, he'd be preaching revival and he would say, God marries a pastor to a congregation. I believe that tonight. He may pastor more than one church, but there's always a place God just puts him and binds him to and 
and puts his heart there and their heart is there and he's married to that church and I'll tell you, if he's married to that church, he, he doesn't need another bride. Somebody say amen. He's not looking for another bride. Amen. It's not a, it's not a stepping stone. We got too many men. They're viewing one place uh, and they got another place in mind. It's a stepping stone. Not this young man. This young man was happy to be a servant. He was happy to be where God put him. I'm telling you, when God puts you in a church, uh, stay there. Have some longevity in church membership. If your family leaves, uh, that's not that. Listen, that don't mean you got to leave. Somebody say, Amen. You say, Well, Mama, uh, Mama went and Papa went. You let them go. You can have dinner with them. It just means you can't go to church with them no more. You say, Why? Because you don't go in caravans. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, I got a son in law and I got a daughter and some grandkids up in Virginia. I'll tell you, if I had my way, I'd have them right here. Amen. But I'll tell you, I'd rather them be nine and a half hours away in the will of God as to have them across the street and me be able to look at them every day and them be out of the will of God. I'm telling you, friend, it's not my choice. It's not your choice. But where God puts you, you nail your bootstraps down. You stay where God puts you. You be a servant there. You say, why is that important? Because God will be good to you for that. God will bless you for that. I'm telling you, if you'll just be faithful and you're gonna have to learn to be faithful on good days and on bad days. You know why Bible Baptist Church is here tonight? Because a pastor and his wife stayed here 37 years. Amen? And a congregation, not all of them did, but there was a nucleus that started and stayed with them for 37 years. And we're reaping the benefit of that tonight. Some are still here tonight, but only a few are left. But thank God for those faithful people, don't you? Thank God for them. I don't want to forget them tonight. Miss Nina can't be here. Miss Bernice can't be here tonight. I'm telling you, there's others. My mind will probably slip. There's some sitting back here tonight. There's some that is not quite as aged by no means, but uh, Miss Tina and Brother David and, and others that have grew up, they grew up in this church and, and they're still here tonight. Don't you thank God for those people that when people probably said you ought to close the doors uh, or you ought to go somewhere else, uh, you know they had to hear that in all them years and that man of God had to hear that, but they just kept on plowing. They kept the lights on. They kept the doors open. They stayed in their place. Uh, no doubt they might have been times when all of them thought it'd been better to went somewhere else. Oh, but I sure am glad they stayed. Amen. I sure am glad there's still a place here on the side of the road where the wind of heaven still passes by. There's not a for sale sign in the front yard. The weeds are not growing up outside. But somebody stayed. Somebody served. I'm telling you, it wouldn't be a good, it wouldn't be a bad testimony if you could grow old and gray-headed in one church for many, many years and stay faithful and say, that I stayed with the stuff. I, I raised my children. I raised my grandchildren in a good church. You ought to be faithful. Hallelujah. You young men, listen, you get out of school. I know boys are different than girls, and thank God in both ways. I mean that. Amen. But young men just want to go somewhere. I just want to do something. Can I get a witness out of y'all? But when you get out of school, get you a job, stay in your church, 
and don't gallop all over this country. Amen. You'll never do anything. You say, well, I just want to enjoy life. Well, you'll enjoy life down at the, in Lumberyard somewhere. I'll tell you when you'll enjoy it, when you get that paycheck on Friday. Isn't that right? But just stay somewhere. Tie to your local church. Give to missions. There's no shame in that, is there? I mean, serve in your church. Pray God sends you a wife. Can I get a witness right there? And pray that he sends you one. Don't get on, don't you dare get on the internet and hunt one. Somebody say amen. Social media, God ain't in a thousand miles of that. Take a picture of your ugly self and post it out there so everybody knows you're single. I'll tell you what you'll get. Well, I better not tell you what you'll get. You'll get some girl out there, she won't know sick them from cums what will happen and, and you'll marry her and be miserable the rest of your life. You let God send you to prayer. You girls do the same thing. Don't you go out there and get one of these silly profiles and start hunting people down. Uh, it's all in that text. And I'll tell you where it's at. That boy's working. He ain't hunting for no woman. Amen. That's right. Get up early in the morning. Don't sleep, amen, until nine o'clock. God help you sleep till nine. You don't need to sleep till nine o'clock. Get you a job that gets you. Don't, don't go get a job where you go in at 10.30 in the day and you get off at two o'clock in the afternoon. Somebody say amen right there. I'm telling you, get you a real job where you've got to work and sweat a little bit and get you a job where you get a good work ethic. If you're going to have a wife, you've got to have a work ethic. Isn't that right? If a man don't work, he don't eat. Can I get a witness right? Right there, you got to learn how to serve, amen. And you can't have everything. Uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, working down there to Walmart, holding a bag and greeting everybody when they come in the door, amen. I'm telling you, that's okay if you're retired and want something to do. But when you're a young man, you need to get a job uh, and you need to work. Uh, I'm just simply saying this: uh, He was in the right place. Uh, you be in a good church. You stay in an old-fashioned church. Uh, when somebody comes along, they make fun of a church that still got a King James Bible, and we're sinners still want the aisle and get saved uh, and people are not ashamed to shout. You don't bow your head. You hold your head up high. Don't listen. We're not going to play second fiddle to a bunch of contemporaries or moderns or liberals. Uh, I'm not out to attack them uh, but I'm just not ashamed of who I am and what I believe. Amen. I'm telling you I thank God for God and old time religion. I've never apologized for it since uh, and I'm not about to start right now. Hallelujah. People say, you preach some things, you're going to wind up on somebody's podcast. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not wanting to. But I don't care about all that stuff tonight. People need help, don't they? You got to stay in one place. Don't let people sway your opinion. I, I think it's not just young people. I think it's a lot of people today we live in. Stay in the right place. Well, I just thought it was going to be a short sermon. I'm sorry. Here we go. Let's move on quickly. I'm about done. He had the right place. He had the right plan in verse 15. He ran to the man of God, didn't he? Alas, a master. How shall we do? Desperation brought him to the right, he had the right plan. Go find somebody more spiritual than me. That maybe can help me. I tell you, that's a good plan to live by. Follow people that you know are more spiritual than you. 
God will always let there be somebody around you that's more spiritual than you are. I'm going to tell you tonight, God's always had somebody, and it ain't hard for me, but God's always had somebody in my life that the Holy Ghost said, he, walk, he walks with God closer than you do. He's walked with God longer than you have. You can learn from that person. I pray that that never, never quits in our life. He had the right plan. Don't go to your friends for a plan. Can I get a witness there? Don't you get a plan from somebody working in a cubicle next to you at work. Don't you get a plan from somebody that ain't living right. Look at how people live. Don't listen to what they say. I'm gonna tell you, Dr. Phil probably says something good every now and then. Come on. Is he still out there? He may be, I don't know if he is or not. Oprah Winfrey might have said something good in her lifetime. I highly doubt it, but she might have. And if you watch something long enough, you'll say, well, you know, I, I, that, that sure sounds good to me. Don't get your plan. I've watched people get out of church, get out of the wrong church, right church and get in the wrong church because they started listening to somebody. Tonight he had the right plan. I'll say this, he had the right preacher, the right prophet, Elisha. You know, the Bible talks about when Elisha crossed that river, they was the sons of the prophets. They stood on the banks of the Jordan, didn't they? And they viewed from afar off. And when Elisha smote the waters of the priest the other day and he crossed over with that mantle, they watched him cross over. But you notice where they were viewing Elisha from when he made the crossing into Canaan? They were standing at Jericho. Jericho was the place that God had cursed. And they were sons of the prophets. They had no discernment. When Elijah goes away, they go to Elisha and said, let us go look for him. Elisha knew he was gone and he wasn't coming back, but they wanted to go hunt for him. Elisha told him, you don't need to, but they kept pressing. They had no discernment whatsoever. And there's a lot of people like that today. They can say the right things. They might even have the title of a prophet, but they don't have no discernment. I'm not an authority on that subject tonight. But Elisha said, if you want to go hunt for him, go ahead. And they looked in vain. They wasted those time, that time. You know why? Because they didn't have the walk with Elijah the man of God that Elisha had. Listen, Elisha was a prophet that was different than the sons of the prophet. Why? Because of his sacrifice, because of his servitude, because he'd been across the Jordan and he crossed it personally himself. And Canaan was not just real to him, but it was personal to him. I want to tell you, young person, you hear me tonight. Uh, uh, listen, you stay under the right kind of preaching. You stay under the pastor. You stay under the man of God. Uh, thank God for evangelists. Thank God for missionaries. Uh, but you don't let some, even some of them that come through... You don't get so enamored by them and their personality that you follow after them. You know, when I preach revival, purposely I make this statement most of the time, if not every time, to the congregation. I'll say something like this. Anybody can come in and preach five nights. And I'm saying it here, but I've said it everywhere. And I've said it, I've said it everywhere I've went. I've said anybody can come in and preach five nights. I said, but you love your pastor, and I know you do. I'm not preaching that to you because I know you do. But I've said to them, you love your pastor. You love your man of God. You stay with your man of God. He's the one that preaches to you every single week. 
He feeds you every way. And I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I think you know that tonight. You're so good to me. I have absolutely no complaints. I've never went across this country and said anything negative about this church because I don't have anything. And I wouldn't if I did. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I'm saying it for this reason. Young people, you listen to me. Thank God for evangelists. Thank God for missionaries. But don't get caught up in a personality thing. I'm watching a lot of people do that. They're following after this preacher. They're hey, I don't want nobody following me at all. Follow Jesus Christ. Uh, but follow the people that God put in your life as they follow Christ. Uh, any man of God worth his saw doesn't want fans. Can I get a wait, amen on that? I don't have a fan page. Uh, he doesn't want fans. He doesn't want a following. He just wants to point people to the cross. Uh, point people to Jesus Christ. Uh, help them with the word of God. But it's not about us. Uh, it's about him. Hallelujah tonight. Don't follow personality. Don't follow that. I had a man come to me probably been about 10 years ago. I was standing outside, he walked up to me and he said, I, he said, can I, I said, I need to talk to you. And I didn't know if it was about something I'd said in the sermon or what. I said, okay. And uh, he, he started to proceed to tell me something. He said, I want to talk to you. He said, and I don't want you to tell my pastor this. He said, because I have confidence in you. I said, hold on. I said, don't tell me anything else. And I said, I'll have to tell your pastor what you said. And he said, no, no, this is between me and you. I said, no, I, I, I don't do that. I'm not your pastor. I'm not going to cross. Brother Noah, I've never crossed the line with Brother Noah because he has a pastor. Amen. Come to Bible college here, but I'm not his pastor tonight. I mean, if he wanted to do something crazy, of course, I'd try to help him, you know, and he wouldn't do that. But I'm telling you tonight, that's, that's an ethic that should never be done away with. Isn't that true? He had somebody in his life God put there. Elisha wasn't perfect, but Elisha was the man of God in this young man's life, and he went to him. And he had, he had the right preacher. Oh, listen, uh, if I ever go wrong, you ought to call me out. You, if I ever veer from the word of God, it ought to be called out. If I ever veer from the truths, it ought to be called out. I don't think a church ought to vote a preacher out if he's doing what's right and he's preaching the truth. Uh, but if he leaves the doctrine, if it's for a moral issue, if it's for a doctrinal issue, and uh, the church has every right. Is that right tonight? They ought to stand up. Uh, and God pity a church that'll just let it go. Uh, You'll ruin the next generation. But my friend, when a man gets out, he starts preaching false doctrine. He leaves the bounds of the scripture. Somebody ought to call him on it. Isn't that right? Amen. And the right preacher, he had the right prayer. Notice what he did. He prayed. Opened his eyes that he may see. And he had the right power. Because when he prayed, the Bible, notice this. I like this little phrase. It said, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw. It wasn't Elisha, was it? It was the Lord. Elisha was a man of prayer. And God heard the prayer of Elisha. I love the way that happens because here's what it does. It puts the responsibility on the man to pray. But it lets us know that the ability is not in the man, but it's of the Lord. You know, we can pray for things, can't we? And when they get answered, we ought to bless the Lord, but we ought to never boast in them because we can't do anything, as we've already heard somebody say tonight. We can't do anything. But we serve a God who can, don't we? I'll tell you, I, I don't know much tonight, but I can stand here tonight along with others and I can say I have seen the invisible. I've not seen chariots and I've not seen visions. I've not seen, I've not seen things like that. 
Somebody come up to me and saw, told me they saw a vision. I would think they drank too much Coca-Cola and ate too much pizza. Isn't that right? Don't come tell me you saw a vision. I, I, call me a non-believer, but I'm not believing it. Right here's what you got. But I have seen the invisible, haven't you? You say, what do you mean, preacher? Faith is the substance of things what? And it's the evidence of things what? Not seen. How many times have we did just what Elisha did here? We just prayed. And the Lord did. Hallelujah. The Lord did what you asked him to do. I'm telling you, we're preaching to a generation today that's never crossed the Jordan into Canaan. They don't know what that means. But I tell you tonight, there is a spirit-filled life. Don't get your eyes off of it. You know, tonight you could be so hindered. My preacher, my job, and I tell you, I feel for you if you've got a public job today. I don't know what you're facing, but I tell you, I can only imagine all the forcing of vaccines and mandates. I don't have a problem if you have a, I don't care if you wear two masks and a shield and you, you got vaccines in both arms. It don't make no difference to me tonight. It doesn't even matter to me. And I feel for you if you've got a job that's forcing you to do something that you don't want to do. I cannot even imagine the pressure that's probably in these pews tonight. But don't look at the visible. Look at the invisible. God is going to take care of us no matter what we face in life. You may have a wayward child, son or a daughter, Maybe someone that you hadn't spoken to in some years. And it hurts too much to even think about. Maybe they said things that have broken your heart. (laughs) Don't think about the visible. Think about the invisible. I'm telling you, look beyond that. God can do anything. I preached a revival years ago where a man came every night and prayed for his son who he had not seen in, I don't know, two or three or four years, who drove a truck, and he prayed every single revival. He would stand up and say, I'm praying that my son would come in and would come to this meeting. Can I be honest with you? I didn't believe that man was coming. We got down to Friday night. I didn't believe that man was coming. I don't think the pastor believed he was coming. He had done it many times. I don't know how long. But as I got up to preach that night, before I got up, he stood up and was weeping. And he started talking about his boy and how much he loved him. And all he wanted him to do was come to revival and get saved. What he didn't know was his son had slipped in the back door. And he was sitting on the back of the road back there. I didn't know his son, never saw him. I knew that was his boy because when he started talking and he started testifying, I watched that boy go to crying. He started weeping. And I thought to him, I thought, could it be? Could it be his son? I'll tell you, before he got done, that man got out of his seat and come down the aisle. He said, Daddy, I'm here, I'm here. I'm here and I want to be saved. (laughs) Woo! There wasn't no preaching that night, Amen. 
I'll tell you, we shouted and cried and he got saved. You know why? Because his daddy saw the invisible. He couldn't see that boy not coming. All he could see the day was when, the day was when he walked in that door and he walked down that aisle. What about you tonight? What about you tonight? As we stand, is there something you need God to do? Is there something beyond your capability, your control tonight? Is there something unseen? Oh, tonight, if you can just see it through the eye of faith. Lord, I, it, it, it's a prayer like this. Lord, I don't know how this will ever happen. I don't know if this will ever happen. I can't see no way, God, because all I can see is what's in front of me. God, we open my eyes and let me see the invisible. God, let me look beyond and let me see. Let me see. Tonight, the Lord can do that. Heavenly Father, bless this invitation. Thy will be done in Jesus' name. As we sing, if you need to come, come on.